0: Hey, this is Nick Romolini, and welcome to another episode of The, the Blank Page. Guess who's Bizzac? Still smell the blow on my clothes like Krispy Kreme. I was cooking them, them like o's. Horses- Still smell the blow on my clothes like Krispy Kreme. I was cooking them o's. Hey, everybody. Guess who's Bizak? Sorry for missing a week, but I am back. I am here and I'm glad to be back. This episode is brought to you by the insidious voice in my head who tells me I'm not worthy of love. Today I wanna talk about my acting career, my lack of acting career, and how it started, and how it's going. Uh, When I was a kid, I always fantasized about coming out to Los Angeles and becoming a movie star. My mom was into this fantasy. She was totally supportive. I acted in plays in elementary school. Maybe up until middle school. And then I started going on auditions. And my mom would take me on these auditions. She would take me up to New York all the time. We would take the train. It's the first and last time I ever ate at Olive Garden. Was it Times Square Olive Garden? I think Olive Garden had just become a thing. And we were like, let's try this place. And that's when they took my Italian card away. But yeah, we used to go to New York all the time, auditions. I used to audition in the city and Philly a lot. The biggest casting agent in Philly is Mike Lemon Casting. And I remember I would go there relatively frequently. And it was always exciting when you had an audition at Mike Lemon. And the closest I ever came was my audition for Sleepers. They were looking for, they were looking for little Italian-looking kids, Irish or Italian-looking kids because, you know, set in New York. In the, you know, 50s, I think. And, uh, and I went in, and the audition went really well. He gave me some notes, and I did it again. And I got a callback, actually. I had no idea what a callback meant then, but I got a callback. And I didn't get the part. But I was so close. <laughs> I was so fucking close, it felt like, at least. I did one Reebok print ad. My payment was a pair of Shaq shoes, which I probably have a picture of somewhere. They were the dope Shaquilles that like had semicircles on them, starting at the bottom, all the way up and out. And that was kind of the end of it. And then I got into middle school, you know? and I always used to think the reason why I stopped pursuing this was because... You know, I skipped a grade so I was a year younger than everybody and also I played sports and I didn't want to be bullied as being a theater kid and I felt like I was already at a disadvantage enough because I was younger than everybody and I felt like I would get picked on even more if I was the nerdy theater kid. And I'm sure there's an element of that that's true because as anyone who's from there will attest, Delaware County's fucking rough. Upper Darby was rough. Philly's rough and the the first inner ring of suburbs is pretty rough man and so while I think that there's probably an element of that that's true I also think that I just got dejected man I think I went on a lot of auditions and I just I didn't want to do it anymore I couldn't book a part and it just felt like it was impossible it felt like it was something that was just never going to happen for me And I think my mom would probably agree more with the latter than the former explanation, though I would have to ask her. But I do have fond memories of of those times with her and and that experience doing that. So anyway, so I, I just got away from it completely, became a business major, went to Penn State as a business major for a year, pledged a fraternity, quit before... Uh, uh, they admitted us or whatever it's called. Like I don't even, I didn't even attend Hell Week. I don't think, and I think Hell Week became Hell Two Weeks, and it was actually into the spring semester. Like it was supposed that we were supposed to be in by the time we got to winter break, but they were like, "You guys suck so bad that we're carrying you over into the spring, into you know, into January. You'll get to do Hell Week in January, and then we'll let you become brothers." And I went home from winter break And I was like, fuck that I'm, I'm not going back to that shit Also took some good heart-to-hearts with my older sisters Thanks to you both for that Helped me get out of that Anyway, I made my way back to Philly from Happy Valley And uh, eventually made my way to Temple Where I majored in film You know, I, I think I should also mention that when I was a little kid I think it must have started when I was like 11 or 12. Me and my really good friend, John, and a couple other friends, but really me and John were the sort of primary dyad of this operation. At one point, we had a box of props. I don't know where it came from, but there was just a box of shit. It was like masks and random props. And we just decided to start making what we would later call flim and it was all these little sketch comedy shorts that we made on VHS <laughs> we would we would just be sitting around we would pick a, pick out a prop and we would just come up with with a sketch and then we would shoot it and it was the most fun and we did it for for quite a long time when we were i think maybe early high school years for me i think i was probably like 13 14 maybe i don't know i had bleach blonde hair at one point i think that was when i was 13 or 14 so So we did that for a while, then that ended. And then at the end of high school, it came back, and I started doing it again with another group of kids, Troy and these other kids, Slats, (laughs) Norley, all those kids, Troy's little brother, Ryan. And we made all these, like another round of sketches. And we we would just do it constantly. We would just get stoned and make sketch comedy, and it was the most fun shit ever. I've released some of them on the internet. I've always promised that one day i'm gonna put them all together and like actually put them all out somewhere and then you know and then i went to film school i i went we filmed those sketches like all summer at the end of senior year i went away to penn state we would do them whenever we got together throughout that year freshman year and i was like what the fuck am i doing like why am i doing business like what is this what am i doing and i tried to i tried to transfer to nyu and i got rejected. I wrote an essay originally about Pink Floyd. That was my essay. And my sister was like, you might as well send them a bag of weed, which is the most hilarious and simultaneously discouraging thing that somebody could say to somebody. And so then I, I redoubled my efforts and wrote an essay about a Bronx tale and it was so fucking trite because I didn't know how to write essays, man, because I wasn't that well-read, and I didn't know how to express myself, so anyway, so I don't get into NYU, move back to Philly, start going to Temple, now I'm just attending Temple for, for film school, just being, you know, 18, 19, 20, 21, like, losing my mind, as, uh, well, I don't know if other people do that, but that's what I did, and All the while, like, I still really wanted to act, but I never put that out there. I would never, you know, audition for anything at school. I would never tell other film students, like, yo, cast me for your thing. I would love to act in it. I just was like, surely this will just happen for me at some point. There was a point in my, I think it was my first year in Temple where I told my family that I wanted to sell everything that I owned. I wanted to sell my guitar. I wanted to sell everything that I had and take whatever money I had and take Gus, which was my 1994 white Dodge Intrepid, load it up with a few things and drive out to L.A. And they talked me out of it. I don't know how I feel about the fact that they talked me out of it, whether it was a blessing or a curse. I don't know what would have happened if I had driven out to L.A. when I was 19. And uh, tried to make it in Hollywood. I probably would have OD'd and died. Uh, Maybe. Or maybe I would be a fucking huge star right now. Who knows. Or maybe none of those things would have happened. Maybe I would still be exactly where I am right now. I don't know. Those things. Those thought experiments of fucking sliding doors. They're like almost fruitless. They are fruitless. Frivolous endeavors. Reluctantly graduated film school. Tried to drop out, but got talked out of it. Reluctantly finished, waited tables for a while, fucked around, bartended, and then eventually got an internship at Sweetbread Studios in Philly with my friend Jenna, episode seven guest, Jenna Serbu, actually. And that led me to a job at this company called Revzilla, which at the time was the three founders and like. Another guy and another guy. It was, like, five people at the time. And they wanted to start a video department. And I had skills, you know, shooting and cutting and producing stuff. And so I got brought on at, like, the very, you know, at the very beginning of this of this burgeoning. What's now, like, a huge fucking company. Like, the founders sold to a giant corporation and or whatever. I don't know how this shit works. But, um... Should have stayed in business, school, you idiot. I did that for a while, and that was cool. and And I enjoyed that work. I had a lot of autonomy to to bring my my sense of humor, which was, you know, formed in the Flim years and sort of bring it to them. And the founder, one of the founders, Anthony, he and I just saw eye to eye comedically and it was amazing i mean we shot hundreds and hundreds and hundreds of product videos which was fucking soul-sucking but we also got to make these like ridiculous irreverently humorous videos intro videos that would like lead into the monthly you know video of the month or whatever the fuck i also got to go to italy with them and shoot a multi-day motorcycle tour through the italian alps which I loved at the time then resented them afterwards and now with you know 10 years space and time between now and then I'm really grateful to have had that experience the resentment only came because you know we worked for four days flew a red eye got in on a Sunday and he was like y'all see you at work tomorrow and I was like what the fuck are you talking about man like I'm not coming in tomorrow anyway it was a great experience maybe I'll cut this part they were really great dudes, and it was, a, it was a good time. But I always, I guess I just felt like I just wanted more, you know? And when I was in Philly, I started this collective called Workers of the East with my friends Louis and Andre, and we started doing documentary work, and I really did. I wanted, I wanted to be a director, too. I really love directing. I love composing shots. I love shooting and cutting. I, I, I love filmmaking. I love storytelling in general, but I really love filmmaking. And so it just got to a certain point, The Workers of the East guys thing was great, and I was hopeful that we could, like, build it into some sort of company. But I guess I kind of realized that, like, there was no money in music videos in Philly. Like, there was no money in documentaries in Philly. And so I was like, well, I'm going to move to L.A. Or New York. I actually was thinking about moving to New York, but... My sister, Jen, was moving out to L.A., and it was like, well, maybe L.A. just makes more sense. Like, let's visit, let's see how it is out there, whatever. Like, maybe New York would be, you know, a grind that we don't want to have at this point, you know, in our late 20s. So we moved to L.A., and I uh, fumbled around for a while. I didn't really fumble around for a while. I started cutting pretty much right away. I, I put, I, you know, I tried to find jobs as a shooter, as, a, as an editor, like, whatever I could get when I got out here, and I fell into editing. Which led to the next gig, which led to the next gig, which was cutting the documentary Bridegroom for Linda Bloodworth Thomason, who was the creator of Designing Women. And I was like, and it won the audience award at Tribeca. And I was like, this is it, dude. I'm fucking, I'm done. Like, this is it. I'm a documentary editor. This is going to lead to big things. Like, I've made it already. I'm, I'm fucking 29. I've been in L.A. for a year. And, like, I'm in my career now. Of course, Ugats came from that. And I, you know, built a career in other lanes of this, you know, of this industry. But the acting thing has always been there. And it's always been a strong desire of mine. And I worked on a couple indie movies. And this one girl who was a coordinator, I think, on, on one of them. I had told this woman that I was interested in acting and she was like, well, there's this guy. I don't know if you remember from the movie point break, but there's this guy, Bo Jesse Christopher, and he's like back in the game now. And he's starting an acting class and you should fucking go. She was like, I'm going to go. You should come check it out. He's the, he's the real deal. Like he's the type of acting teacher that you want to have teach you. And so I went and I went to a bunch of classes with Bo Jesse for a while. And then And it was great. I got to work with David Faustino, who is Bud Bundy from Married With Children. I got to work with Abe Ben Ruby, who played fucking Larry something or other on Parker Lewis Can't Lose. You'd know him if you saw him. It was a fantastic experience. And I went to his classes for a while, and then I just kind of stopped going, you know? I'd be remiss if I didn't mention that like my anxiety in these acting classes with Bo Jesse was immense, but when you kind of dive off the edge and just let yourself fall into it, like something really beautiful can happen when you let yourself be open to it. And we did a lot of Meisner exercises and I just found those to be so profoundly emotional and connected and I, I just loved it so much. So a year later, I decided to take some improv classes, went to iOS, took an improv class. Anxiety was fucking crazy, like panicking. And then like when I would actually like lean into like what makes me funny, which is like the maniacal shit, like it would really work out well. And when I was actually able to really get grounded and really get present. But I went to the level two class and my anxiety would be so bad that there were a couple classes that I just straight up left. Like in the middle of class, just walked out the door, went home, drank a six pack, like cried to my wife about how embarrassed and ashamed I was and my anxiety and my panic was so bad. And then was embarrassed and ashamed that I was crying about being embarrassed and ashamed about my anxiety and panic. It's fucking amazing, this cycle. I actually asked the teacher, this guy Mark, who is really fucking funny improv comedian to meet me for coffee. So I could talk to him about this shit. Like, have you ever experienced stuff like this? And he sat with me and it was really pleasant. He was like, you know, yeah, of course. Like I'm always nervous, but I just like, you know, I just push through it. And when I'm able to come out the other side, like that's when the, the, you know, that's when the good stuff happens, you know, he was a really fucking nice guy. Shout out to Mark Ratterman. Check out his comedy. I wonder what he's up to these days. Meanwhile, like, there are a couple, like, big-ish producers who I know out here who, like, I'll randomly, like, try and get a coffee with and be like, hey, I'm, you know, I'm an editor, but, like, I also want to act, so, like, you know, if you think of anything for me, like, I don't know how to fucking get my foot in the door to anything. And I have no idea how to handle myself and how to ask for what I want from people and how to ask for help from the right people. Like I often find myself like, like I go to the fucking convenience store to try to get a haircut. Like I'm asking the wrong people for the wrong things. Like the person who could help me out with this thing, I'm asking for this other thing. And the person who can't help me with this thing, I'm asking for this thing, you know? But so cut to like, I don't know, 2017, 2018, I started getting back, Bo Jesse started doing classes again, or maybe he had been doing them all along, I'm not really sure, but we somehow got reconnected, and I started going back to his class, and I was really excited, like, it was right after I had lost all that weight, like, I was feeling really confident, I was feeling good about myself, and I was feeling just, like, more confident as, like, a 30-something-year-old man who, you know, no longer was a really frightened, you know, 30-year-old man, or whatever the fuck. And I started really getting into the work with him and there was like a new batch of actors, a couple Italian kids I felt really connected with. And like, it was just good. I mean, I felt really excited and I felt really engaged. And so I talked to Bo Jesse, like, how do I take this shit to the next level? Like, what do I need to do to like, I don't, I, cause I didn't know how to get an audition. Like I didn't know how you fucking do anything, you know? And you'll know Bo Jesse as the guy who played Gromit in Point Break, Patrick Swayze's brother. Fucking dynamite guy Dynamite guy Really can't say enough enough good stuff about him But anyway he, he was kind enough to meet with me one time And like talk about stuff And I don't know how it came about But my friend Michael who was in that class He was repped by this agent and he was like, yo, man, I don't know how it happened. Like, I think I just asked him. I was like, yo, could you connect me with your agent? Like, I don't have any fucking work that I've done, really. But, you know, I have some self-tapes from the class. Like, maybe he would rep me. And he was like, yeah, man, I'll hook you up. He gave me a guy's number, and the guy called me up, and we talked a little bit. I went into his office in uh, in Hollywood, which is actually right near the fucking Enterprise rent-a-car <laughs> that I was at the other day. It's like right near Gower and Sunset and Gower. And so I met with this dude and he was like, and I had just gotten headshots. I had just gone to the guy who Bo Jesse recommended for headshots and paid for like three different looks. So I had all these like really fantastic headshots. And I go, and meet with this guy. I'm not going to say his name or the a- name of the agency because I don't want to drag this fucker. even Because like, I still can't tell if like he's deserving of being dragged or not. But so I go and I hand him my headshots. He was like, these are shit. He was like, we need better headshots. These are no good. These don't represent who you are at all. You look like razzo rizzo, and that's what we need to do with you. He was like, I'm gonna do headshots for you. It's gonna cost you such and such for the prints and for the mailers, because we're gonna print them and we're gonna send them all around town. I didn't know any better. And I'm like, like I was a little hesitant to be honest. And I talked to Sam and I was like, I don't know if this feels right. Like, I don't know if this guy's trying to take me for a ride, you know, whatever. And she's like, well, I'll just go with your instinct. And he was, like, really fucking pushy. And I was like, all right, well, I, I, this guy knows what he's talking about. He's been in the business this long. He's a real fucking smooth talker. He's, you know, he's from New York, so, you know, he, he knows, he understands me because we're from the Northeast, you know. Just one of those guys. And um, one of those guys, like, a fucking con man is what I mean, but I digress. Because, again, who knows if I had stayed with him long enough, maybe I would have gotten an audition and gotten a role and had a big fucking breakthrough. Who knows? Wound up paying the fucking guy like $600 to do uh, prints and mailers of my headshots. Which, who the fuck knows if they even went out anywhere. At one point I was like, yo, can you give me one of the mailers so I could see what it looks like? Oh no, they already all went out already. $600? Yeah, $600. I fucked up. I fucked up bad. So I let this guy rep me for a while. And um, I didn't get shit i got i got i got called into like one it was i got he got me one vo audition one voiceover audition for a video game for like a dubbed video game like he didn't get me shit and i didn't know how it worked you know i was just like maybe your agent doesn't get you auditions if your headshots aren't right or maybe my look's not right you know about me about me about me like what's wrong with me what am i not doing right and And every time I would call him and talk to him, you know, he, he told me he would share with me a talent report all the time. Like, look, here's all the things you're being submitted to. And then, like, he never did that. I would have to ask for it. And then he would act like it was a big inconvenience for me to even ask for it. It was him and this other woman who ran the show. And she would sometimes send these, like, brusque emails telling you, like, you need to, all the shit that you need to be doing. Like, just really shitty people. Like, treating their clients like shit. And so I hung in there for a while, and at one point he was like, you know, I think you really need to get some new headshots, and we need to do some new mailers. And I avoided that for a while, but then I was like, well, my hair's a lot longer now, so, like, maybe that does make sense. We'll try something new. And I think I paid him, like, another $300, $400 to do another round of mailers. 300 $400? Yeah, I fucked up. I fucked up again. I fucked up twice and nothing came of that no auditions nothing whatsoever and then the pandemic happened you know and nothing you know there was just nothing going on for a while and i think i talked to him once or twice and he was like Are you still in the game like you need to you know you need to be the one to decide like how much of this you want to be a part like i you know just putting it on me like i wasn't doing something right even though he was the one who's supposed to be repping me and he's not getting me fucking dick and eventually like there was some audition that like I just didn't even respond to. And he called me and he was like, is everything okay? And I was like, hey man, honestly, I just think it's best that we cut ties at this point. And like it took a lot of courage for me to do that because that's not that type of confrontation, that's like that's like breaking up with a girlfriend level of confrontation. That's like going to your producer and telling them that you don't feel right about something like that type of confrontation, conflict assertiveness is something that's been terrifying to me my entire life and something that I've always avoided you know and and as a result been a people pleaser and just try to always stay in people's good graces and always worried about like not making sure I'm not upsetting anybody or rocking the boat in any way so it took a lot for me to do that but so that was like 2021 at some point and now I'm just out here agentlessly Not doing any classes, not trying to audition for anything, but um, just out here recording this podcast for y'all all all the fucking time on my grind. But Bo Jesse is now back doing shit in person, and I'm thinking that maybe sometime in the new year when the schedule opens up a little bit, I might try and get back in there and do some more classes. And then, you know, as my time frees up more, as the kids get a little bit older and... I feel like I can take a little bit more time away here and there. Like maybe I'll try and do some student films and things like that because I really do have a passion for expressing myself in that way. And, and I'm good at it. Uh, like the feedback I've gotten in class from other actors, from coaches, teachers, is that I'm fucking good at it. I just haven't given myself the opportunity to do it. Like I wrote, I wrote this short film called cream a few years ago and i directed it and i cast actors in it but like i should have just been in it like i wrote it for myself like i wrote it with myself in mind and i still casted other actors in it and um you know i have some ideas for shorts i have some ideas for features and i intend to make something at some point i tend to be in something at some point and um i don't know that's the uh that's the history of my acting career <laughs> and whatever the fuck else i just talked about for all this time i hope you enjoyed it i guess i'm just kind of putting this out there to whoever whoever's around and You know, think of me when you're thinking of film projects. If you have any casting directors, things like that, producers, people you might want to introduce me to. Hey, you got to meet this guy. He would be perfect for this role as a stereotypical Italian-American. He'd slick his hair back and give him a gold chain and he could be a perfect little gangster. (laughs) I mean, honestly, I'm fine if that's how I get in the door. Like, (laughs) however I get in the door is how I get in the door. This feels like another rambling episode of The The Blank Page. Leave me comments. Tell me what's going on. Subscribe to this shit. Tell me what's working for you. Tell me what you don't like. Tell your mother about it. Tell your grandmother about it if she's still around. God willing, she is. Tell your nieces, your nephews, if they're of legal age, to listen to this vulgar content. Tell your cousins. Tell anybody. Tell the fucking guy at the corner store. Tell anybody you know. Tell anybody you want to tell about The Blank Page podcast. As always, thanks for listening to me ramble. Dad, I still don't know what this shit's about, but I'm going to keep doing it. (laughs) Thank you for listening to The The Blank blank Page. page. I will. See See you next next Tuesday. Tuesday. Peace.